of the Movie Machine Podcast, the show on Hot Chocolate Media where we make up a movie very quickly for you based on a random suggestion from the internet. I am joined today by three talented guests. We have our writer, Lauren Haven, who was the SAS expert on The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Fantastic work there. Thank you. We have our director, John Euchre, who was the food supervisor on Zombieland. Yep, but it's a lot more difficult than you think. Yeah, and then I have uh, James Fairbanks producing for us. He was the rubber supplier for Batman and Robin. It's true, it's true. There was so much, so much rubber. Well, without further ado, we are going to go to our internet suggestion here. The theme of this story, tragic conspiracy. The main characters, seasoned gambler and unstable actor. The major event of the story is misunderstanding. You have three minutes. Go. So we begin our scene... In uh, in a, our, our tale, in a in a sad, smoky, rundown casino. It could be in the middle of like any nowhere. It doesn't. It's not very descript for like what state or what town it's in. It's definitely not Reno. It's definitely not Vegas. It's just like real shitty. And um, we have our our main gal, whose name is Amanda, and she is our our ill-fated gambler. Um, she has a, a long history with um, different types of addiction, and she m- most recently had a sex addiction, and she is now channeling that frustration into gambling. Um, at, at the casino, there is also a dinner theater in the same, in the same casino, and that is where we meet um, Andrew. Andrew is our um, equally ill-fated... Um, and definitely failing career-wise actor. Um, he aspires to be an actor. He is usually either some sort of assistant stage manager, like real low totem pole assistant stage manager, or he is um, kind of in the chorus doing some background. Like, like if they need somebody to be sweeping the stage on stage in the background, that is kind of his, his main resume builder right now. So the two of them meet one day when he is, when Andrew is running to, um, to the bar because nobody actually provides service to him within the dinner theater for uh, kind of un- unexplored reasons. And uh, he accidentally runs, like physically runs into Amanda. And um, they both drop their cell phones. They kind of do like the classic like cell phone switcheroo. So he has hers, she has his. The romantic comedy bumble. Exactly, exactly. And um, this is where they kind of go about their ways. And she starts spending money. She starts trying to to channel, uh, not channel money, transfer money from um, the bank account to her credit card. And she actually accidentally steals um, his only two thousand um, dollars because she's real good at guessing passwords. Um, 
So she ends up giving her, her stuff back to him, um, and then they just kind of do like a real quick, well, that's okay, and um, she, she ends up winning all the money back, and so she's able to repay him, but then they never talk again. Like, it's just like, well, fuck you, and then they leave. Okay. And that's our story. Do you have a title for this piece? Uh, this title is uh, Career for Gamble. Okay. So we'll pass that on to our, our director. So you've you've gotten a uh, kind of sad but uh, fun little adventure story oh, taking yeah. place in a casino. Yeah. How are you going to uh, make this into a movie? Well, when I heard her that kind of nondescript, sad, kind of middle of nowhere, the first thing I thought about it was kind of cheap, smoky, intentionally bad-looking kind of a thing. So I figured what we're going to do is we're going to put it on like a Super 8 kind of camera thing. So we're going to make it look grainy. We're going to make it look like it's like a lost kind of 50s noirish kind of a look to it. And what we're going to do is, uh, as far as, 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 as like, it's, so it's going to be black and whitish. And instead of getting like an actual, we're going to get a casino, because casinos today look too good. They look too good. They don't quite get that sad, depressing, kind of end of your rope kind of look. They look too happy. They want you to be happy. They got free beverages. That's too happy. So what we're going to do is we're going to find like an abandoned strip mall and we're going to convert the abandoned strip mall. It's going to look dilapidated. It's going to look great. And so then what we're going to do is we're going to dub all the sound and noises in later because, you know, Super 8, you can't have sound on there. So what we're going to do with that is then we're going to try to film it at a slow a pace as possible, except when we're dealing with Amanda. Amanda's going to have, like, her own pace. It's a little bit faster, you know, because, you know, the gambling, you know, you got to have a bit more of a, you know, a snappiness, kind of a snappy, kind of snappy thing. Whereas Andrew, our actor, because he's in a funk, is going to be even slower. So you got kind of, like, these two different things going on. He's in that depressive funk of, oh, my God, I'm an assistant stage manager. I'm not a leading man anymore. So... But to counteract that, to make it even weirder for the audience, to add kind of like a mind fuck, we're, what I want to do is I want to cast like a leading man for the failed leading man. So I want to try to see if we can get like, I want to either get a Clooney or like a Brad Pitt or even like, like Benedict Cumberbatch after a night of drinking, you know, like with a bad hangover. And then I want to get like, Instead of getting like a young actress for uh, Amanda, because that would suck, because that just wouldn't work. We need an older. I want to get Dame Helen Mirren. I need to get Dame Helen Mirren, and we need to get her. We need to convince her to drop whatever she's doing, and we need to get her to be our hyped up. We need Dame Helen Mirren on cocaine. We need to hype her up with cocaine, and we need to get her to be our Amanda on Super 8 to film this up, and then... What we're going to do is we're going to wear up the film even before we film it. And it's going to be nice and good. Maybe we'll throw some laughs in there. Who knows? Maybe we can get a comedic sidekick in there. Maybe if, if, if Lauren's all right with it. Who knows? But then we'll get it filmed and we'll get it out in time for Oscar season. All right. <clears throat> so we'll pass it over to our producer, James. Okay. James, you've got a uh, fairly dark... Uh, piece fairly sad that follows a couple of characters mm-hmm. and their kind of bumbling adventures mm-hmm. with a, a retro look um, that speaks to that particular nature. 
what do you think? What kind of money are we going to get these guys, and uh, how are we going to get this movie made? Well, right now, this uh, what what I have on my plate. I don't know if it's spaghetti or a dog turd or what. I don't. I don't. I don't think that people have decided what they want this film to be, and that's going to be a problem because if you don't know what it is, you don't know how to market it. You don't know what demographic you're shooting for. Is this a comedy? Is it film noir? Is it romantic? What what the fuck is this supposed to be, right? So we we need to make that decision, and almost immediately, what I want to do is to cut out comedy. All right. Um, mix up with the phones, great. Find a way to do it that isn't funny or like a Flintstones accident. Um, two, I, I, I don't want a funny sidekick. Um, if we're going to be spending all of that money to get Helen Mirren and George Clooney and to convert that strip mall into a shady-ass casino, do you know how expensive it's going to be to make it look shitty? It would be cheaper to build a new casino and get actual people. So I don't, I, right now, without anybody signed on to it, I think you are looking at kickstarting this thing. Um, honestly, I think I can scrape together, I can scrape together maybe $10 million dollars maybe $10 million of people who are willing to invest in what is clearly going to be, if it is successful at all, a cult classic. I love the idea that it's sad uh, at the end, that, that shit doesn't work out. That's perfect for me. Uh, I loved Lost in Translation and a number of other movies where things don't happen the way that you expect. That's great. Um, but you need to decide, is this Bukowski or is this Yakov Smirnov? Like you, is it funny or is it romantic or is it a serious dramatic piece? Uh, because then I, I will know who I can ask to pay for this. I will know how to polish this hopefully plate of spaghetti and not the other thing. And, uh, and then I can get back to you. Um, with Clooney on it, uh, if we can get Helen to sign, honestly, I think we could be looking at better money, but they have to read the script and they have to love it. They have to love it, which means I need to know how to pitch it. I need their agents to think that this is going to be the next fucking Coen Brothers movie. This is going to be the next whatever. It's, it, it has to be the next big thing if we're going to get them in it. Okay. All right. So, Lauren, you've been handed a, a series of changes and restrictions for how this movie's going to have to go if you want to get your, your original story made. How are you going to handle that? Okay. So, we obviously have to take out the majority, if not all, of the comedic elements. So, um, it's no longer going to be like an awkward bumble that happens um, in the middle of the casino that'll do the, the main phone exchange, which is how um, our, our leading lady gets her her $2,000. Um, she's going to steal the phone when she's at the bar. So instead, he's going to set his phone down while he orders his drink. Um, maybe he's he's complaining to the bartender about um, um, 
the small amount of money that he's made, but she hears that it's just enough. So she steals his phone while he's not paying attention. So <clears throat> we, we're now eliminating the majority of the, ro the, the romantic part of it. They will probably have a hookup still, because I think if we're going to keep Helen Mirren and George Clooney, people want to fucking see that. So we're going to keep that in there for sure. Um, they're going to do like a bathroom or a backstage hookup. She's going to go to check out the show so she can return the phone after she stole the, the $2,000. They hook up because she's still a sex addict and he's feeling pretty down and out and everybody could use a little pick-me-up. Um, so that is going to be that part of it. Um, He's going to continue to just kind of be... I think the fact that he's now an, an older gentleman opposed to being a younger gentleman, the fact that he doesn't have like a, a large leading role is going to be even more heartbreaking. So we'll just make sure to kind of play up how, how tragic his clown really is. Um, and maybe he... I, I want to write a, a really nice piece for him where the... the the stage is clear, there's nobody in the house, and he does like this really beautiful clown um, moment. Like he just like has like this little thing that he's been working on and he, he does it. And like as an audience member, you'll be watching it and you'll be thinking, oh my God, this is so beautiful. This is so tragic. This is so heartbreaking. And yet there'll be like a couple of laughs because comedic relief, but, but overall he's still denied for his, his um, furthering of his career. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anything else you want to add? Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, so she's going to, when she is, um, after she's stolen the money, she's still going to kind of hit it big. Um, she is no longer going to be paying him back for the $2,000 because he's not ever going to find out that she was the one who, who stole it, or at least not until she's long gone. And um, the, the final scene will be this will be right after we see him doing his clown piece for nobody and then the final scene will be her getting into like her 1987 Mazda and driving off into a, a, a smoggy sunset that is more shit colored than it is beautiful and um, she's just moving on to another casino in another shitty little town that we do not have to build. So, John, uh, based on the changes that you've been given, are we going to need to recast? Or are we keeping our actors? How are oh. we going to get this thing made? Oh, we're keeping the actors. And uh, if building a, a casino from scratch is going to be cheaper, then, yeah, we're going to do that. Because then I think we can customize it a little bit more. Uh, maybe then we can actually uh, put cameras in specific spots, give it kind of more of a uh, verte feel to it. You know, uh, you know, that way, I, you know, maybe we can get a little bit more control over where people go, especially now that we have a, a bit of knock in the boots. See, now if we're doing it, I have an ability of a backstage uh, between them, because I think it is time a bit for a 50 plus, uh, like a just a sweaty, intense, because in my mind, what I'm seeing right now, and, and I'm feeling it in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> you have to excuse me for a moment. I have... I'm just, just, I'm talking like sweat, like basic instinct level, sweaty, intense. Cause this, cause neither one of them, and again, Lorca probably, this is just, I imagine them just not having hadn't gotten any in a while. Cause they're, they're both into their things. Mm -hmm. She's into her gambling. He's into the acting, and they're backstage, and we can put cameras in certain spots, and they're just going, and 
you know what? Both of them, I know, are true artists, and they're, they'll be okay with not having body doubles, especially Dame Helen, because she's got a body of someone like a third her age, and she'll be more than happy to show it. Uh, George is a professional. <laughs> As, I mean, J- I mean James, of course, I've worked with him on Batman and Robin. He is definitely, he, he lived through that. So we'll have that. That is, is, is going to be, that we will be breaking ground with that. That is, that is, so we'll have that, and that will go on. And then, of course, what I see uh, for that ending with her and her 87, the, I forget the, the, the car already, uh, Mazda, Miata, Moody, whatever it is, yeah, whatever vehicle it is, we can change it. We can change it. Whatever, whatever car we can find for cheap. And just as it goes, we can at the same time, we'll also, we can do an intercut, I think, between her driving off, him doing his clown, and even, maybe we could even do, during that hot, sweaty, basic instinct, fatal traction, Debbie does Dallas level, geriatric humping, um, get her cut with some, a performance on stage. Like some sort of Vegas thing. We don't have to get the rights to any original, to a show that already exists. We could just come up with some original dance number while that's going on as a counteraction to successful actors with this failed actor and this gambler that are just going at it like rabbits. And I think that, I think, is a selling point of just the sadness of this, of this sex and the whole thing. And we can just sell it as Atlantic City, just Atlantic City for the 21st century. Okay. So, James, uh, based on the changes you've been given, do you think this movie's feasible? We're uh, in production at this point. What needs to be done to make I, this movie profitable? I, I, I think that this is entirely feasible. We're going to be selling it a lot to the Wes Anderson crowd. Um, with that in mind, we actually have a request uh, from somebody. Uh, George Clooney was talking to Jason uh, Schwartzman. And... Uh, he wants to be in on the picture. He's actually willing to chip in a little bit of money. He has a soft spot, apparently, for independent films. He's certainly been in enough of them. Mm. Um, he's willing to chip in a little bit. Uh, five million, so Ooh. half of the budget that I've been able to scrape together uh, in order just to, just to be in this film uh, as a, a barman or as uh, one of the gambling table dealers or whatever, okay. wherever wherever you guys can manage to fit him in. Okay. Um, and I think that will give us a ton of credibility. We may just make our money back. Right. Maybe he peeps on him. So mm-hmm. it's, I, I mean, there, there are plenty of places where we can improve this. I like the idea of maintaining just a hint of dark comedy in order to keep the rest of this from burning to the bottom of the pan. Um, it, we, need to, we need to have something that will make the audience either feel good or feel bad for not accepting that they feel bad some kind of a, a lesson or something. It needs to, it needs to be something deep and, and meaningful, uh, but I, that's the kind of thing that we can throw in in editing, basically. All right. So I think, I think we can scrape this one by, um, and it should give us enough to start on a more lucrative project with explosions that people will pay for. With Jason Schwartzman, in there, uh, Clooney, uh, we have Clooney. Um, we did not 
get Helen Mirren, but we did get Judy Dench. So uh, it's, I, I know one dame is not another, but uh, Helen Mirren actually quit the project and uh, has decided to move on to a different film. Something I'm sure equally sad and and uh, depressing. But we are we are looking forward to having her on this project. I think that will help. All right. At this point, I get to tell you how uh, market projections are are saying the movie will go, and you'll have time for some reflections, and then uh, God, last minute changes if you would like. <clears throat> so all right, play on me. Based on what you've got so far, uh, you've got a movie that gets limited release, as independent productions typically do. Mm-hmm. So you're mostly showing uh, in the big big film cities: L.A., Chicago, New York, um, Atlanta, a few others around where the uh, the market is good for something like this. Um, the money that's coming in is is mostly from the the over fifty crowd. You got a a couple of uh, over fifties going to town on each other in this. It really, really rustles their dusty jimmies. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. So, uh, oh. that's kind of the selling point of this particular piece. The changing of the names did not alter the sweaty intensity of that scene. Really, <laughs> really dusting off their knickknack shells. Right. No. I did not make a change of casting, change my dedication to the right. sweaty humping of that scene. So you've, um, you've got a little bit of crowd there, and as, as it makes its way to, you know, release, uh, people buy it on DVD, but not Blu-ray, because old people don't buy Blu-rays yet. Um, and you, but they are the only people who still subscribe to cable, so you do get some repeat viewing on cable, a little bit of dollars come in that way. Um, so this movie will, will make its money back just barely, uh, but it's, it's not really a, a, a big paycheck for any of you guys. You kind of scrape through another day as things go. So uh, based on that, uh, any reflections on the, the way things have been put together or any final little changes that you guys want to add in? Lauren, you have a couple minutes here. Uh, I would like to say that um, for Jason, we were able to get him not in just like a piddly little throwaway, but I did make him the, the director of the shows that occur within the, the dinner theater. So I think he's really been able to kind of flaunt in this like hoity-toity but still very poor uh theater director um character i think it's 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 a really great tribute to him and um his abilities um i would also say that um the over 50 crowd is uh, can be very nice and very good to us so i think that that is a nice yeah. thing that we have retained and that means that some of like the the youths who are maybe a little bit snootier with their art will be coming in, and I think we might have something that's going to really kind of come back in a in like a couple of decades, and it'll really give me some sort of like real cred as a writer. And I think that that's pretty fucking great. <laughs> you didn't see he was actually drawing pictures on flashcards. Telling <laughs> no. Mirren. I've been a, I've been avoiding his jobs the whole time. They're called. They're called storyboards. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say he storyboarded the whole thing out. <laughs> he storyboarded and hired out animators to do animatics oh, Lord. <laughs> this entire time. Yep. All right, John. Any last reflections or things you might want to change about this movie? Well, when I ever look back at our little film here, I will say, uh, Dame Judy. Uh, I gotta say, uh, was a trooper. 
Uh, we did offer her the body double because we didn't know how she felt about it, but she was like, you know, no, I'm a professional. And since George declined one, Judy also declined one. It went from Dame Judy to Dame Judy. Oh yeah, <laughs> it did. And I have to say that was that it was a little uh, interesting. Uh, I also have to say that uh, uh, Jason Schwartzman, also very professional, uh, during his little thing, he had a lot of little. We just had the you know a little few minutes where I just kind of rolled the camera, let him do his thing. As the director, he's very good at that. I didn't really didn't have to direct him much. I have to say, he was just very good. Um, if I had to change anything, um, I would just say I would have put more cameras in more places. Uh, I would have... Um, I would have put some... <laughs> I would have put some AC in the room with uh, George and Judy. Um... I would say, um, I perhaps would have left that scene, I would have shortened that scene by a few seconds. Um, also, uh, I would have let them take a couple more breaks. Because, uh, um, as you know, George George had to delay filming of his next film. Um, as you know, he had to take a respite. He had to go to Cedar Sinai um, for a few months uh, to recover. Dave Judy's fine. As you know, she's British, stiff upper lip. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, I'm looking forward, uh, I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, moving forward, uh, to, to try newer, newer, uh, newer things, uh, with this, and, uh, and, uh, hopefully, uh, perhaps one day when looking back, I can say, yeah, I, uh, I did this experimental little thing with, uh, two humping 50s of things. Well, 50 and 60, whatever. How old is she? I don't even know. She never said anything. But like I said, professional lady, professional lady. Strong back, strong back. <laughs> All right, James, anything else that you, you need to change or reflect on for the end of this movie here? Well, um, I think that the poignancy of the, the uh, what the writer had called uh, the sad clown, what Lauren had called the, the sad clown uh, presentation, where he's speaking to the empty, the empty theater and, and that kind of thing, I think... Um, especially uh, if we can, it, you know, going back, I would emphasize some kind of a surprise to the to the film uh, audience, so that this would be something that they would, you know, finally he's got his big day. They're both doing well. They're both having, you know, things are going well for them, and then suddenly you realize that he's just doing this for an empty theater and that everything is still shitty for him. I think um, if we can get uh, Jason Schwartzman to help publicize the film. If we can put him on the Tonight Show, if we can put him, you know, everywhere, uh, and have him make the tour, uh, that we can get again the Wes Anderson crowd. We can get, you know, the Coen Brothers moviegoers to go and see this, as well as the fifty-somethings who are there to watch um, two leather gloves. Touching. Um, and, uh, so, uh, yeah, that's, I, I mean, uh, that's really, uh, I, I think, going to get us the uh, a little bonus on top of the existing 50-something crowd demographic. And I, I feel like that could 
win us repeat small theater showings. Um, out in the middle of nowhere could even get us a cult following. Uh, even though it's not a happy movie, people don't love happy movies in the same way that they love movies that are philosophical and, uh, and, and meaningful emotionally. All right. Well, based on the changes that have been made, the minute details that have been, been added, and putting uh, Jason Schwartzman front and center for the, the advertising, you're actually going to bring in a little bit of the hipster crowd as well. Hipsters are coming in because yes. they think it's ironically cool. Um, <clears throat> they're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, so they're, you, you get a, a, you know, a few more million out of it. You guys actually go home with a, a pretty decent paycheck and uh, a building block to jump towards another movie later on. So well done, guys. You put that one together. Um, and then finally, to wrap everything up, we will uh, leave today on our little nugget of wisdom from the great sage himself, Guy Fieri. I'm going to take the gobble full throttle. Oh. Oh.